0: Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 through 21. If you would, stand for reading of the Word of God. We honor God by standing when we read His Word. How to thrive in Babylon and not be Babylonized. Verse 3, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from from among those the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodness of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your face as looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. and Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearances of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them ten days. At the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom and Daniel understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, The chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all, all none were found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king, and in all the matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Now, that was a long portion of Scripture. (laughs) Ah. The theme of Daniel is this, God's sovereign control of nations and rulers. And by the way, you. By the way, you. Now, what we learned last week, last week we learned that there were three sieges in (coughs) Jerusalem. Three sieges. And what I want you to remember out of this is the following. So, you're going to get it on your map here. First one was in 605, second in 597, third in 586, as you can see. The first siege, Daniel and some of the princes, they were the choice people. And when, In my talk, I'm going to mention this a couple of times. There are about 50 to 70 uh, young men that were taken at this time to be Babylonized. If I can take your best, if I can take the nobles from your country and Babylonize them, I can Babylonize this next group with no problem. So why in 605 is there, was there this delay? In 605, Nebuchadnezzar's father died. He was the, actually the king uh, of Babylon. And he had to rush home in order to assume his position on the throne. He then reestablishes his, his attack on Israel because the king stopped paying tribute. Uh, king Jehoiakim stopped paying tribute. So he reasserts his authority. The majority of people in Ezekiel are taken at this time. And in 586 B.C., it's the final leveling of Jerusalem and the leveling of the temple, which is sacred to the people of Israel. So the remnant was captured and the temple is destroyed. That very last point in 586 B.C., I don't know if you remember this, but it's very important. This started the time of the Gentiles. The time of the Gentiles. Now there's a map that's going to come up on your screen. Just a little indication of where we are here. This is Israel. This is Babylon. He took these guys through here over into Babylon. Now notice the Tower of Babel is here. This is the center of idol worship in the world. It was then and it still is to this day. Notice that it's between the Euphrates and Tigris rivers. This word Mesopotamia, which you hear oftentimes in Scripture, simply means between the rivers. Between the rivers. Just a side note, this is where Abraham was called in Ur of the Chaldeans. This is where he delayed in Haran until Terah died. And then he crossed the Euphrates to get into the promised land. And I want you to remember this. If you were to come on our Tuesday night, oftentimes I'll put up a, a picture of the land mass that Israel was to actually occupy. And that land mass goes from the Euphrates River all the way down, all the way over, and all the way up. It's a huge land mass. When he got over, when Abraham got across that river, he was getting into the land that God promised him, and he made his way down here into Canaan. So that's just a side note and just a little bit of trivia for you. So back to our lesson, our review. Daniel means God is my judge, and he was used by God in the seventy years of captivity that they would experience with, in Babylon. He was used by God to encourage them. Hey, you're you're going to make it through. God is not through with the nation of Israel. He will reestablish you and the land. God is not through with the nation of Israel. They've been set aside for a period of time. We don't believe in replacement theology. We believe that God has a church age. When the church age is over, we're going to be raptured, taken out of here, and he'll reassume his, his focus on the nation of Israel. That'll happen during the tri- tribulation period. So the two reasons for captivity. you get anything out of this review, it's this. The 70 years were because they broke the land Sabbath. Remember, we went through that in 2 Chronicles 36, 20 through 21. And idolatry, idolatry continued to be a problem in the nation of Israel. And it, and it crescendoed with Manasseh, who, who actually it reached the point of sacrificing children to idols and setting up idols in the temple. And all of the nation was complicit with this. It says in 2 Kings chapter 21, verse 9, they were complicit with Manasseh. All the nation feigned worship of God, but served their idols. See, that happens today, where we worship God, but I'm still going to worship my idol. I'm not going to give that up. I'm not going to give that up. Here are the words of Isaiah. This word was written 130 years or so before Cyrus was born. Cyrus is going to be a Persian king who at the end of Babylonian captivity, when Persia comes into power, will release the people and allow them to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild Jerusalem. This is found in Isaiah chapter 44. Listen to this. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all of my pleasure, this is God speaking, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. And then goes on in chapter 45 of Isaiah to say more things about Cyrus. Cyrus wasn't even, even a, a hint of who he would be. But yet 130 years before, the word of God says, A king called Cyrus in Persia will be raised up and let my people go. That is fulfilled prophecy. That gives credence to the validity of the word of God. There's literally hundreds of these in scripture, by the way. So that is one of them. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 4, we see what they were doing. They were worshiping their idols and worshiping their idols and worshiping their idols. In Jeremiah, chapter 25, 1 through 11, which I can't read to you because of time, but I will tell you just succinctly what it it says there. Jeremiah says, for 23 years, for 23 years, I, I talked to you folks. I prophesied to you folks. And he says this, but you have not listened you have not listened. In verse 4, he says, you have not listened. He says it again in verse 7, but you have not listened. Do not go after the other gods. Do not go after the idols of the culture. Do not, do not, do not. Jeremiah had nobody that believed him, but yet he had a mission from God to fulfill his calling. And then finally, it crescendos in verse 8, you have not heard, and Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, my servant, God says, is going to be raised up and deal with you, the nation of Israel, who has abandoned the true God. Now that is the setting, that is what has happened. So we enter in with Babylon being destroying Jerusalem, the time of the Gentiles. And remember there was a scripture in Luke twenty-one, twenty-four. Jerusalem will be trotted down by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. We are presently living in the time of the Gentiles. Jerusalem is trotted down by Gentiles to this day. Israel has a portion, but remember I gave four portions in Israel that are occupied by, by people. One of the people groups was, was, were the Jews, but three are Gentiles. So Jerusalem is still trodden down by the Gentiles to this day. So, like Daniel, we are living in a culture that has been seduced by false gods and false idols. Seduced. Just like Israel was. America has rejected the true God. This week, Daniel will tell us, those believers who are immersed in the land of idols and false gods, how to survive in Babylon and not be Babylonized. How are we going to survive this thing called the United States of America that is running from God and not be indoctrinated and be Babylonized into this ungodly worldview that we're seeing today all around us? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time to study your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach us today things that you want us to know. Lord, there's different times in a talk where people will zone in and zone out. Well, Lord, you know their hearts. You know what they need to hear. You know what each person needs to hear here today. So help them to zone in at your appointed time and hear what you have specifically to say to them. In Jesus' name, amen. So just a little bit of introduction. What do you think? What do you think? Has America been Babylonized? Has America been indoctrinated to a worldview that is anti-God? And you bet, you bet they have. Where There were Baals and Ashtaras. Remember, there were Baals and Ashtoreths in the nation of Israel. Now, you often wonder, why were these gods so significant? If you were to come to our judges' study on Tuesday, then you would know my following points. My following points. Baal was this. He was the Canaanite God of weather and nature. He was the God of agricultural success. He is the God, effectively the God of personal wealth. You pray to me and I'm going to make your crops grow and you're going to be wealthy. Also, there's this guy called Wolf that says this. He says the word Baal also can mean husband or owner. Therefore, when Israel worshiped the Canaanite God Baal, It entertained another husband or owner. Remember, Israel is called the wife of Jehovah. God views himself as being wed to Israel. And they have, he was divorced. The 10 northern tribes were separated from Judah. So they are worshiping this false god. They've taken on another husband. Ashtoreth is attractive to people because it's the goddess of love, sex, and fertility. Now, the idols at that time, are very much the same as today. They're the same in in this sense. We we serve the idol of money, the idol of sex, the idol of power and prestige and position. It permeates our culture today. There's nothing new under the sun. Satan knows exactly what he's doing and how, how he can attract people and how he can hook people in. Remember this. Contrary voices are screaming at us today. They're screaming for our attention. Remember, I gave you a word a few weeks ago called syncretism. Syncretism, where there's a blending of all these religions, and they're all about the same, and it's just finding your own path to God, and that's a lie. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no such thing as blending religions to God. But this culture has taken that on full speed ahead. Our families, and I want to suggest to you, especially our children, but it's not just our children, it's all of us, are engaged in this indoctrination, and we're being impacted by voices of, with a worldview that is anti-God. Daniel will help us not to be Babylonized. He will tell us how to thrive in Babylon. Now it's going to start in chapter one, verses three through seven. How to thrive in Babylon and resist indoctrination. How to thrive in Babylon and resist indoctrination. This is a very important talk, folks since we are immersed in Babylon today. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, see the choice ones, and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men, 14 to 17 years old. Some postulate that Daniel was 14 when this happened to him. Where there is no blemish, but good-looking, gifted at all wisdom, possessed knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language, oh, this is indoctrination, literature of the Chaldeans, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies of the wine which he drank. And then there was three intense years of training for them, so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave the names, Daniel the name Belshazzar, Hananiah Shadrach, and to Mishael... Meshach and to Azariah Ez- Abendigo, Made it. Got through that. So, question I have for you Have you been Babylonized? Look at your life. Do some introspection here, because I think we all have to some extent. We all have been impacted by this to an ungodly worldview. And I want to suggest to you that it's fostered in this culture and what has happened in America. It has fostered and happened because the centrality of the Word of God has been removed from the culture. Remember, we took the ten, Com- we took prayer out of schools, and then we took the Ten Commandments out. Then we want God out of the government, and we want the church in its corner, and that, that whole thing. We've been through this like a million times. The target was the cream of the crop of Israel. The target is you today, folks. You are the cream of the crop. The target is to, to, trans- to transfer your thinking into the world's thinking. Don't fall for the indoctrination. Ashbanaz was the guy that was responsible for this transition. He was the eunuch in charge. Uh, some, again, some historians say it was 50 to 75 young men that were, were involved in this. Uh, the indoctrination included the following: language, which went from Hebrew to Aramaic. We're going to, we're, going to indoctr- we're taking all of your roots away, and we're starting with your with your home language. Literature, that speaks of education, pagan literature. Three years of it, day after day after day. What are they trying to affect? They're trying to affect the the mind, the thinking, all the literature that's going out. And then they had the name change, take away their identity, any identity of God away. And folks, they got it for three years. We're getting it 24-7 for our entire lives. Our entire lives. Indoctrination's goal. Indoctrination's goal is this a total forgetting of your roots and become completely Babylonized. It took three years in. Again, we're in it for our whole lives. Our poor kids that go into public school systems are really affected by this, really affected by it. Inputs were daily, again, for three years, for three years. Now, I want to suggest to you something. Indoctrination to a culture very much... Is, is the underpinning of it is the educational system supported by the government okay uh, there's a guy named mark a bellies and he says this the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next interesting statement there's a humanist now this guy actually wrote this in 1930 you don't think this has been a programmed indoctrination for this country Humanist proselytizing. Charles Francis Potter says this: Education is thus, thus a most powerful ally of humanism, and every public school is a school of humanism. What can the theistic Sunday schools do? See the challenge. 1930. We're thinking this thing all happened in the 50s or the 60s or the 70s. No, this had this has been a plan in place for a long time. Meeting for an hour once a week. How can they? How can they stem the tide? How can they? fight against your kid being in school all eight hours a day and teaching only a fraction of the children due to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanistic teaching. Well, you can't. You can't. And finally, this guy says this. This guy is a, a Harvard psychiatrist, said this in 1973. 1973. Every child in America entering the school at the age of five is mentally ill because he comes to a school with certain allegiances to our founding fathers isn't it amazing, toward our elected officials, towards his parents, toward a belief in a supernatural being, and toward the sovereignty of this nation as a separate entity. It's up to you as teachers to make all these sick children well by creating the international child of the future. Folks, this is an undercurrent in our culture to indoctrinate our children. It's not just the kids, folks. They are the most disadvantaged generation I think ever with the inputs they are getting today Babylonized. Remember the goal is a new identity Babylonian names to become Babylonized take every vestige of God out of the culture that is the goal and this is happening today and, and it is the goal of many politicians it's already it's already been very much voiced in one of the, one of the parties okay very much voiced in one of the parties. The American, uh, t- take God out, right out of the culture. There is something called the American Renewal Project. Let me share with you just a brief excerpt from this. It says this. This is, this is from the California Department of Education. This is a 700-page su- document, and it's and it's this. It's a guideline for the teaching sex education in the public schools, encouraging teachers to talk about gender identity with kindergartners and give advice to help LGBTs. This is what we're learning in school. Reading, writing, and arithmetic, which most people can't do. You ever go to McDonald's, you can't give change. Nobody knows how to give change. You have to look at, you know. LBGT, we're going to encourage LBG teens and show them how to navigate relationships and how to practice safe sex, and we're teaching that in the schools. Where's values? Where's morals? LGBT brainwashing of 5- to 11-year-old kids. And this is the state of California. What happens in California, hopefully, stays in California. Goodness, keep it there. Keep it there. Now, the question is this. How do we resist indoctrination? How do resist indoctrination? Remember, Babylonians' influence was, was very strong. There was only four of those 50- to 75 that stood the test. The rest of them got Babylonized. The rest of them got Babylonized. That's an interesting. That's an interesting fact. Remember, it's always a remnant. It's always going to be a few. You, it's never going to be the majority that are going to stick with God. It's never going to be the majority in Israel all through history. Now we are the remnant. We are the few. We are the few. Now I want to. I've, I've quoted this before, and I want you to please try to hear this. It is doubtful that the majority are ever right. It is doubtful that the majority are ever correct. Don't fall for this. We took a poll. You see this? We took a poll. And the poll says we should do this. And what's the poll supposed to do? It's supposed to encourage you to take on the beliefs of what that poll is espousing. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stick with what God says. How to resist uh, indoctrination starts in the home. Now, this is from a website called, that I would encourage you, if you ever do any study, Austin Precepts, that's not the guy's name, that's the name of the website. This guy is a physician, actually born in 1946 as a pathologist, that has dedicated his life to giving you this great body of information that you can use if you're ever preparing a text that actually helps you to sound smart. Okay, This is from him. He says this, first of all, how do we resist? Godly parents taught the Word of God. It starts in the home with parents. Now it isn't just uh, bringing your kid to, to church or dropping him off at youth group, or whatever people do with kids in this culture. No, it is Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, the Shema, "Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one God." And then he says this in verse, verse seven, he says he says this, "You shall teach them diligently the principles of the word of God caught diligently, diligently to your kids, to your to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house. It's going to in, encapsulate every facet of your life. It isn't just to give them to somebody else. We have a responsibility. It starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. Secondly, There was a revival in the interest of the Word of God, and there was a revival under King Josiah that Daniel was able to enjoy for 10 years. 10 years he had people pouring into him, prophets, the the government, the the king, things of God, things of God. There was a cultivation of interest in the Word of God. There's There's a valued purpose for Sunday school teachers, for Christians in the workplace. I think Christian teachers in the public schools have a huge responsibility and and an almost impossible responsibility because you can't say certain things, but you can kind of slide it in and, you know, very tough, very tough for them. How about pastors and youth youth group leaders, that sort of thing? There was an interest in the word of God. And thirdly, there were prophets who spoke the word of God. Prophet after prophet spoke the word of God. We must, we must pass on biblical values to our children, and not allow them to be Babylonized. Now, this guy is really brilliant, whoever wrote this. I can't remember the guy's name. Austin Precepts is the website, okay? If our children attend Babylon State University, that's where you go when you go to school. That's not just for your children, by the way. We are attending Babylon State University. How? through the media, through the government, through magazines, through every input possible, you are in Babylon State University. That's where you are. So those who are going to Babylon State University, they need to have been equipped so that their faith and commitment to the Word of God is strong. And they are able to filter out those teachings that are clearly anti-God by comparing them with the Word of God. So what has to be central? The Word of God. You don't take this and leave it at home when you come to church. You bring your Bible with you because we're studying the Word of God. That's why we're coming to church. There's so many places that don't encourage you to bring your Bible. You don't need it because you're getting a flash of a verse. And then we'll talk around the verse about something very happy. Happy, happy, happy. And how you can leave here happy and just feel wonderful. You know, I want you to be happy, but I also want to tell you the truth. And that is what you run into when you get to teach the whole counsel of God. So, parents, you can, and now this is this is reality. Parents, you can teach your children, you can encourage your children, you can teach them diligently. But your children must be the ones who will listen and heed the word of God. It's on them. We cannot make them believe this, but we want to create for them every opportunity diligently. You can't make them become Christians. But you can help them as much as you possibly can not to be Babylonized. Not to be Babylonized. And this is happening not just to our youth. Again, it's the young, it's the, it's the in-between, it's the old. All of us are being affected by this. And people are bolting from the true faith in droves in the church. The church in the West, which I mean like Australia, Europe, Canada, America, South America, Central America, bolting, bolting. I look at this as the 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, as the end-time apostasy, a falling away from the faith. To survive Babylon, you must resist the indoctrination. Filter everything that you hear through the Word of God, through the, including what you're hearing here, <laughs> through the Word of God. Through the word of God. The key word to deal with indoctrination is resist. Resist. Every part of your being, resist the indoctrination. Verse 8 through 16. How to thrive in Babylon? Well, do what Daniel did. Purpose in your heart. I'm going to do what God says no matter what. Watch this. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor. Isn't that great? God brought him into favor and goodwill with the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink, for why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. I'd get my head lopped off if you guys aren't looking good. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Oh, just give it a test. Just give it a test. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you. Now, you know that Daniel is a very different young man because he wants to eat his vegetables. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> then let your appearance be examined before you in appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies as you see fit. So deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this manner and tested them 10 days. Now, why did he consent with them? He could have just, he could have just blown this 14-year-old kid off because God gave him favor. God gave him favor. In an impossible situation, God gave him favor. And at the end of 10 days... Their features appeared better, fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate of the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine they were to drink and give them vegetables. So, points to remember. Never forget this. The age of this guy going into captivity, about 14 years old or so, and he lost his home. He lost his family. He lost his culture. He lost everything and would never see it again. Never see it again. And he could have been angry with God. We said this last week. He could have said, I'm done with this thing. Or he could have went through the why me God thing and then I'm done with this thing. Or he could have said, Lord, if you want me in Babylon, then I'll become like Babylon. You can have that type of attitude. But that wasn't Daniel. Folks, when you go to Babylon, and we are in Babylon now, be a Daniel. Sold out. Sold out to God. All-in people will not cave to the circumstance. If you are a toe-in Christian, if you just got a little bit of you in, you're going to be overwhelmed by this culture. You have to be all-in. This is not a time for lukewarm. This is not time for that. This is all-in. Daniel's decision was in his heart. You know what that is? Your core being. Your core being. His faith was not peripheral. It was core. What did Daniel do? It was It's what we must do. The key was determine before time. Determine in your heart ahead of time. Purpose in your heart, Daniel. Purpose in your heart. Your inner nature, the core you. Not to defile yourself with the world's delicacies. Not to have that little trinket wag before your nose and you wanting to grab onto it. Not to be Babylonized. Daniel and his friend obeyed God's dietary laws, and they prospered because of that. Now, hear this. The word to defile means this, to contradict a previous stance. In other words, I believed this way, and now I have been convinced to believe another way. That's indoctrination, okay? That's what the world is trying to do. It can happen in Christianity, because we're trying to get you... To believe a certain way based on the word of God, on the word of God, but you had a previous, a previous view, and I want to suggest you the pressure to cave. We talk about peer pressure, peer pressure. you in youth groups, all you hear about is peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. You know, adults have peer pressure, grandpas have peer pressure, grandmas have peer pressure. Every stretch of the way we have peer pressure, because there's always this tension of wanting to conform and be part of a group, to be accepted by a group. Look, The world will throw every allurement at you possible, every trinket, anything to just get you to take a bite, to walk lockstep with them, lockstep with your flesh desires. And who is who is behind all of this? This is the schemes of the devil that have happened right from the beginning of time. Remember, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about his methodia, his schemes, his techniques. He's used it on humans from the beginning, and has been successful all through the epochs of time. Be aware of his techniques that he used. And remember, the battle is for control of your mind. You know what your mind is? Your soul, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. How you view your world. That is what the fight is for. For those who purpose in their heart to live for God, God will give you favor with those people that you're dealing with in the world. That favor is kesed And it's loving kindness. It's mercy. It's mercy. Well, let me say this. It's favor, and it'll give you favor in the most extreme situation. There are people that have awful bosses. But you can get favor. Awful teachers, awful situations, favor with kings, favor with atheist professors in school. Proverbs 16, 7 says this When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Oh, that's a great word. Principle is this purpose in your heart, purpose in your heart. And when the test comes, you won't fail the test. They had a food test, but there's all kinds of tests that we get all the time. When you take a stand in this culture, with a godly worldview, be sure, know this, you will be tested. There's going to be someone to try to drag you out of what you believe. And they will be vigorous about it. They will challenge you. And those challenges will be cloaked with this. We just want to have fun. Come with us. You can just hear the allurement. Come with us. Let's just have a little fun. We're just doing this for kicks. We're going to do it for the fun of it. Will you be steadfast, immovable, or will you cave to the majority view? That remains to be seen. That re- for each one of us, that remains to be seen. All people have an innate desire within themselves to be accepted by a group. That's why there's gangs, folks. People to be be accepted. Humans will gravitate towards groups. Be very careful who you hang with. Be very careful with who you hang with. Proverbs twelve twenty six says this: The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked will. Lead them astray. That might lead them astray, could lead the way of the wicked. You immerse yourselves with a group of people, you will become like those people. Be very careful who you hang with. When tested by the world, your friends, your colleagues, your family, your teammates, your circumstances, you can stand and be a Daniel. You know how I know this? You can do this because of we went just finished this study in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 says this. You are of God, little children. All of us are of God who are born again of the Spirit. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who is he talking about? He's talking about the Gnostics then, the false teachers then. But you can overcome anything. Have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Spirit of Antichrist is alive and well in this world. But greater is he who is in you, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, than anything that is in this world. Stand up. Be a Daniel. Stand up. Be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Stand up and be different. Be different. Be counted. Stand. Take a stand. Key point. Purpose in your heart way before the pressure comes. You're going to fall if you're not going to do this in advance. Purpose in your heart. I will do what God says no matter what. When the test comes, take a hard stop. Stop. I have purpose in my heart. I will not do this. No, I will purpose in my heart not to defile myself. The Holy Spirit power is in you. You can do it through God's power. You can't do it on your own. It isn't going to be willpower. It's going to be God's power working in you. That's how you carry this off. Finally, 17 through 21. How to Thrive in Babylon, oh boy, you're going to need this. God will give you the knowledge and the skill to navigate through this water called your life. He will give you that. He will give you that. 17 through 21. And for these four young men, God gave them. Just, if you have a Bible, that's a good thing to circle. God gave them. God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. Notice one out of the four had (laughs) visions and dreams. He was the one that God gave that to. Not everybody. One of the four. Now at the end of days, when the king had said that that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among, whose neck was on the line? Ashpenaz, his neck was on the line. Interviewed them. And among them was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. What a position. God did this. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the music- magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus, Daniel continued into the first year of King Cyrus. He makes it all through Babylonian captivity. Hear this. From God comes the knowledge, the skill, and the wisdom to excel no matter where God has placed you. Now, there's some tough spots that people can be put in. There are some difficult people to deal with. But God can give you the favor to navigate through this. These four young men who, who, who did not defile themselves did not cave to the pressure to conform. They did not cave. God gave them the knowledge and the skill and the wisdom. And they had the skill to thrive. They thrived in the environment that God had placed them in. Look at you can thrive in the place that God has placed you. It's not easy in this world. There's always going to be a difficult professor. There's always going to be a difficult coach. There's always going to be a difficult teacher. There's always going to be a difficult boss. There's always, we're always going to have that. Coworkers, they'll be difficult. They're all around us. But hear this, their circumstances did not dictate their faithfulness. They purposed in their heart to be faithful no matter what comes. I will be faithful to you, God. And they excelled in the face of, notice this, even demonic opposition, which we will see in chapter 2, all kinds of magicians and astrologers and sorcerers and that sort of thing. Nebuchadnezzar had been getting inputs from the demonic realm. These magicians were practitioners of the occult. Astrologers, it's not the star worshipers like we picture astrologers, but it it means a conjurer or a necromancer. These are people that were calling up the dead to try to get information in the afterlife. Now, there is a huge warning. This is a sidetrack, okay? But a huge warning here in Scripture. These forces are real and they are dangerous. God commands us to stay clear and have nothing to do with these things. And if you were to read in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, God will specifically lay this out. We don't have time for that today, but God does not equivocate on this. These are real. Stay away from them. They will hurt you. They will come at you as light and that is deceptive because they are darkness. And their goal is to bring you down, not raise you up. So, no, psych- no psychic hotlines. You know, what am I going to get on this test? What am I going to get on this test? Where do you want me to live? What's my next job? Let me go to the psychic hotline and find out. No, don't go there. No astrology, no tarot cards, no Ouija boards. Oh, this is so much fun, the Ouija board. It's not innocent fun, folks. No palm reading. These are all conduits to the demonic. Think about this. In the coming chapters, Nebuchadnezzar has dreams. This is important. This is important. Nebuchadnezzar is going to have dreams. And all of his astrologers and sorcerers and magicians could not answer the dream because he wouldn't give them any any heads up on what the dream was. You know what that tells me? The demonic realm cannot read your mind. They can input into you, but they cannot read your mind. But Daniel, the man of God, got the real input. through the power of God, he could do what the demonic realm could not do. I'll tell you, our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. In the New Testament, what has God given you? What has God given you? I'll tell you what he's given you. He's given believers discernment. Everyone born of the Spirit has some level of discernment. Now, there is a gift of discernment, a gift of discerning spirits that that people actually have. It's a a different level of discernment. But each one of us has some ability to discern what right and wrong is. Something is true. Believers have this. The Holy Spirit lives within you. He gives this to you. Sinclair Ferguson says this. Gives some insights on discernment. It's the ability to make discriminating judgments. Now, what do people say? You judger. Yes, we have to have... We make judgments, discerning judgments. It's not to be critical, but we want to know what is true and what's not true. To distinguish between and recognize the moral implications of different situations and courses of action. We want to guard our hearts, guard our minds, guard our spirits from anything that is false. Remember, it's a battle between kingdoms. And the kingdom of darkness masquerades. It doesn't come at you and says, I'm dark. Stay away from me. Oh, no, it comes as what? Light and masquerades light. Satan comes as a, as a, as an angel of light, and as ministers of uh, as ministers of righteousness. It's all cloaked. It's all hidden. You have to be discerning. You have to be discerning in order to be discerning. What do you have to be into? You have to be in the Word. You got to be in the Word to be discerning. So, how do we get discernment? Well, we we receive it by the by the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we we get it through the understanding of God's Word. We get it from the experiencing the grace of God. Each one of us that has been brought into this family has been brought in by the grace of God. His grace and his mercy just waved over us as he brought us into his family. And each one of us had to understand just how depraved our hearts are. Our hearts are. How many times in this culture have you heard people say, I just have to be true to my Heart. I have to be true to myself. I have to be true to myself. The world says this follow your heart. What does God say? Proverbs 28 26 He who trusts his own heart is a fool. That's what he says. Now, we want to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all of our inner core being, and that sort of thing. But we're depraved people. And it's easy for us to take on a, the mantle of something that is way off. Don't trust your heart. Trust the Word. If your heart is in conflict with this Word, change your heart. Change your heart. Don't change what the Word says. So, every Christian yielded to the Holy Spirit has knowledge, wisdom, discernment, has enough to navigate through these alligator-infested waters called your life. We have that. There are no excuses. There are no excuses. And to know what God requires of you in any situation, Micah six eight is great. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. He has shown you. God has shown you, O oh man. But to do justly, and to love mercy, cased, loving kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Live with God. Live with him. Live with him. Constrained by his, his, his love, constrained by his obeying his commands. And you want to keep God before you, not just as an afterthought, but as an always thought. I will keep the Lord always before my eyes. The one who does this, if you do this, you will thrive in Babylon with God's knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And please note this, verse 21, Daniel, with knowledge and wisdom and skill, outlasted the entire Babylonian regime. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. That's 70 years of thriving. And then he even thrived in Cyrus's kingdom. Daniel truly thrived in Babylon. You want to know this. Our sovereign God will give you the knowledge and the skill to navigate through all of this stuff called your life. Conclusion, just a summary, we'll be through. How to thrive in Babylon. First, resist indoctrination of the culture. The key to resisting, the key to resisting is this, know the word of God. That's number one. Secondly, be with God's people that keeps us accountable to one another. Be with God's people. Number two, purpose in your heart. Purpose in your heart. The key to this, purpose in your heart, is before the test comes, you're prepared. Okay, you're getting ready for your chemistry test. This is not how you prepare for your chemistry test. I didn't study. I'll sleep on it and hope it by osmosis gets into my, that will not work. You prepare beforehand. That is what we do. That is the key. Prepare beforehand. Take a hard stop when the temptations come. And say, in your heart, I will stand for God no matter what. I will stand for him. Thirdly, know this. God will give you the knowledge and the skill to navigate through this. The key word is this. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. Walk through this life in step with the Spirit. Remember in, in Galatians, we, we were told to told keep in step with the Spirit. We don't run ahead of him. We don't lag behind of him. We keep in step with the Spirit of God. That is what we do. Filled with the Holy Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit of God. And remember, the Holy Spirit will guide you. Listen to him. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Fourthly, we learn from Daniel, Christianity is all-inclusive. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, everybody can be saved. Everybody can come into the family of God. It's open to everybody. Wide open. I can't get any more ideas than this. As far as I can stretch. Wide open. But it's a narrow road. It's only through Jesus three. That's not popular in the world today. It's very unpopular. It's all-inclusive. And remember this, wherever God has placed you is your place of service. Everyone in here is in full-time ministry. If you're born again of God, you are in full-time ministry, wherever God has placed you. There's no such thing as as separation between our religious life and our secular life. well, It's all together. We are ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our message to the world. And finally, Daniel majored on obedience and left the results to God. And I'll tell you, that's great advice. That is great advice. I will trust you, Lord, no matter what. I will trust in the Lord until I. Let's do that again. I will trust in the Lord until I die. That's right. Be a Daniel, folks. We're living in an idol-filled world. Its desire is to Babylonize you, to make you conform to a worldview that is anti-God. That is what we're living in today. Be a Daniel. And you too can thrive in Babylon and not be Babylonized. Now you've got a new word in your vocabulary, Babylonized. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to study your word. And thank you for Daniel, Lord. And thank you for his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they stood the test. They get tested in chapter 3. And Lord, just thank you so much that we know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That I can say no to my fleshly urges and yes to my spirit, that I can go through this through the power of God. Lord, I have to walk close to you. I have to dwell in you. I have to I have to make my home in you. I have to be filled with your spirit in order to pull this off. There's too many forces pulling us away. Oh, may we walk this thing out in truth. And may we walk this out filled with your spirit, keep in step with the spirit. And may we be so different that the world will say, Hey, what you have. I want. Not blending with the world, not being antagonistic to the world, but all oh, being so different that we tell them about our Jesus and how much he loves them, wants them to be part of his family, to come into the family of God, to be born again, to say, yes, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Yes, Lord, I believe you were buried and rose again from the dead. Yes, Lord, I believe you took my sin debt. I can receive you as my Savior and be saved and live forever with you. What a deal. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life that you offer everyone who will simply come and partake of the gift. Lord, I pray for people today that they don't know you as Savior, that today will be the day when they say, yes, I want to come into your family, Lord. I believe you died for my sins. I receive you as my Savior, and I want to walk with you the rest of my life. Lord, if there's anybody here today that hasn't done that, I pray today they will do that. Again, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.